Oftentimes with green colored stools, you're missing stomach acid in your stomach because when you eat green substances, they get the chlorophyll is what gives them the green color. And that chlorophyll, when it's, a, when it's you know, kissed to stomach acid, once it hits the stomach, it actually oxidizes. And when things oxidize, they become brown. When it came to eating and dieting, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I interviewed over a thousand women and I said, what did you do? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What did you eat? How'd you do it? If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, The Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode and today's guest is a return guest and she was one of your absolute favorites and we said we've got to have Dr. Marisol. Um, Marisol's last name, pronounce it for me real quick. Dr. Marisol Tejero. Tejero, okay perfect and um, she's just a world leader in natural medicine and I'm so passionate about gut health because I truly believe like if your gut is healthy, you are healthy, period, the end. I mean, it is, you know, it all begins and ends with your gut. And she's known as the Queen of Thrones. Her first book uh, is about to drop, pun intended, and it's called O-S-H-I-T. I don't want to curse on the show, and I don't curse in general, so, but I love, love the title. And she promises to change your life royally by reducing the anxiety and stress that irritates your bowels so you can get those natural rhythms going, improve your digestion. We are thrilled to have you back. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Chantel. I'm just so excited. This is great. I loved doing our show last time. And you know me, I'm just about talking about my movement so everyone can have an improvement. (laughs) Talk about your movement so you can have improvement. That's a good one. I Um, loved what you said. You know, it all begins and ends. And it's so true. You know, I, I, I often say, you know, it's all about what ha- what's happening between your gums and your bums, right? Like mm. it's it truly is reality that your gut that. really is the center, the hub of health, really, truly. That is awesome. So what's new with you? Are you doing anything new online or tell us like if, you know, listeners want to find you, where are some places they could connect with you at? Yeah, so we're highly, highly active right now and really getting our message out there. So, you know, we have a big goal of, of, you know, eventually changing the World Health Organization standard of stool. So what that requires is for us to really create a movement. And so what I'm asking everyone out there to do is come and join us online. We, what we've been doing is we're really creating an education hub in terms of the gut. So no matter what your question is, whether it has to do with parasites or, you know, pooping after your period or whatever the case may be, whatever's important to you, I'm really here to, to answer it because I really want people to truly understand what's going on in their gut. So because of that, we have a bunch of stuff happening. So number one, on our website, weekly, we're launching a blog. So if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, go onto my website at www.drmarisol.com and sign up for, for our newsletter. Um, the other thing that we have, so this blog, we're, gonna, we're coordinating it with a weekly Facebook and Instagram and YouTube Live. So that drops on Fridays, every Friday at noon. So for the lunch hour, let's talk about poo, right? Why not? <laughs> it's important. Yes. So that's super important because we really want to create it at like a live interactive 
clinic. So that's a place for you guys to, to get your questions answered. And then besides that, all of our all of our products now are full on throttle in the USA. Um, so that includes our amazing Queen of the Thrones castor oil packs, our organic castor oil in the glass bottle, our beautiful, incredible cosmetic beauty kits have just dropped which are in they're selling like hotcakes you can't even keep them like really on the shelf or already uh, shipping down more product from canada um we've also launched our eau de throne which is our after you poo parfum the only medicinal uh, adult potty training tool that also disinfects the air so you mm. keep the bathroom clean so That's it's kind of like poopery right like that poopery Similar. So that's a question I get all the time. Oh, it's kind of like poopery. It is, but it isn't. Ours is very different. Where poopery is a, a a spray to make things smell good. Ours and it's and and poopery is sprayed before you go. Ours is sprayed after you go. And ours is actually medicinal for the guts. So the 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 herbs that I've placed in the formula actually, when you smell them and intake them in, they actually have a calming effect on the gut, but also help with digestion. And ours has a, a really cool thing is that it's a disinfecting spray. And the reason why we want a disinfecting spray, I don't think people understand the true reason, is that our stools are made up of 50% bacteria, somewhere between mm. 30 to 50% bacteria. So when you drop a log in the throne, right, you flush the toilet, but when you flush, bacteria goes and particulate matter goes up into the air. So this is one of the reasons why, you know, it's a good thing to have the clothes, take, put the lid down, number one. <laughs> but number two, you know, not to have your toothbrush exposed or right next to your toilet. Because what can happen is that you're going to get spray and particulate matter, you know, on your toothbrush, on your countertop, in all places in your bathroom. And the worst thing is this, is that when the next unsuspecting victim walks into the bathroom, they actually get exposed to all your microbes with this. And this is what people don't, don't don't, don't realize. Mm -hmm. So when you walk in after someone and you smell, you know, the intensity of their smell, you are basically being exposed to their bacteria and that Ooh. actually starts to affect your bacteria. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So now I, I have bought your castor oil packs and they're amazing and I'm not doing it as much as I need to. I do. One thing that I do do is I get, um, <laughs> the one thing I do do is we have all these puns coming on the show. Yeah. I, um, do get a massage twice a week. I'm upset. That's my one thing. You know how everyone's like, one person's into shoes, another person's into this. My thing is massage because I don't know how to relax that well. So I literally get a massage. And so what I have her do is I take your castor oil pack and I do put it on my stomach and have put tons of oil. If, if someone is really constipated all the time, would you suggest they do it twice a week? every day what would your suggestion be for them so for people who are constipated absolutely every single day right that is that the ideal with the castor oil pack like i travel with it it's the first thing that i do and that's one of the big reasons why we put the castor oil pots in the in the handy little convenient containers because i wanted to make it easy for people to take it anywhere um if you if you've been dealing with something for a long time you are not going to have nothing is going to work as a quick and easy fix the only thing would be like a strong stimulating laxative However, long-term, that's not a really good solution because you start to get dependent and then you always have to take this laxative and it's, it's just not good for your body. So castor oil packs, if you had a long-term constipation, whoever that may be, you really do want to be doing your pack daily because you're really trying to create an environment where you can naturally have a stool. And we're actually talking about this on our Facebook Live um, in, in, the, in the next little bit is that 
truly constipation isn't just about your food, but it has to do with a variety of different um, regulatory systems, like your hormonal system, your immune system, and your nervous system. And it, it, you have, we have to work at balancing those systems in order for you to actually have a good bowel movement. So if you want to have an effect on those systems that are working to constantly regulate the body, then you have to constantly, right? Because you, you have to give the same energy in order to treat it. You want to be constantly doing your pack so that those systems can get trained. Do you have something that you can show the listeners? If you're listening on our podcast, definitely go watch the show. You sometimes can get extra things. Do you have a castor oil pack handy that you can kind of show people and kind of explain to people, you know, because explain to people what, what do they need to do? So they, they order this pack. What does it look like? And explain it really in detail. So go online, www.drmarisol.com, D-R-M-A-R-I-S-O-L, and go into our shop. And of course, you know, take advantage of all the things that we are gifting, like information. We have an amazing 50 Shades of Poo. If people want to start to learn the journey. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, like yeah. So 50 Shades of Poo, the reason we start there is because, well, number one, it's a really cool name, 50 Shades of Poo. I'd like to find, <laughs> find out what's going on there. Um, it's the first step of the journey, learning and understanding your poo, because color is pretty much the fastest thing that you can you can learn and understand about. And so if you sign up for that gift, what we'll do is I'll actually take you through the journey of understanding and learning your poo. So I encourage everyone to go do that. And then, do you really talk about Fifty Shades? I well, I mean, you know, it's obviously a pun on words, but truly there are so many colors that poo can be. Mm-hmm. I obviously highlight the most important ones, important. but you know, poo really can be uh, like any of the shades of uh, brown, right? So there, there are a lot of shades of brown, and we actually use our uh, Grateful Dung bracelet, which is another one of our amazing products, which is uh, another adult train potty training tool because it's made up of tiger's eyes. So I don't know if you can see that, mm-hmm. but tiger's eyes actually a it's like the perfect colors and ranges of poo. So you see, you've got anything from like a darker brown, you know, to a lighter brown, to a little bit of a, a yellowing color. We don't want too yellow, but a little yellow sometimes is okay. But this gives you an idea and a quick like reference guide as to, oh, okay, my, my poo's the right color. Because, you know, a lot of people out there have uh, green stools is a big epidemic. Green stools is a bad problem because it can, it can uh, signify issues with your stomach and not being able to digest properly, especially things like protein, which for people eating a high protein diet, you know, this is very important. Um, and, you know, people will say, oh, well, just because I'm, con- I'm consuming a green smoothie every day, right? That's why my stools are green. But no, it has nothing to do with that. It actually has to do with how you're digesting your food. So it's, it's, it's an important tool to go use. So when you're doing the castor oil pack. So hold on. I want you to expand on that real quick about the green poop. So you said if your poop is green, that means, oh, I like your coffee cup. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So the green poop. Let's just expand on that. So if your poop is green, that means that you're having trouble digesting protein. And what would be, what could you do to help that? Would it be digestive enzymes? Yeah. So what it would actually be is that you would want, you want, you want to also see the other clues in your stools. But oftentimes with green colored stools, you're missing stomach acid in your stomach because when you eat green substances, they get the chlorophyll is what gives them the green color, right? And that chlorophyll, when it's a, when it's you know kissed to stomach acid, once it hits the stomach, it actually oxidizes. And when things oxidize, they become brown, right? They like they rust basically. So 
if you're having, so any vegetable, like green vegetable that comes out of your body should turn brown at the end of the day, right? From gums to, once it's in the bum, it's got to be turning brown. So, and if it's green, you're lacking stomach acid to actually create that oxidation aspect. And without stomach acid, you don't break down protein. So what you could do is take something like an HCL, uh, uh, betaine, you know, people are really familiar with that, um, a digestive enzyme that contains HCL, you know, those, those are kind of the first step strategies. And then you can go deeper because oftentimes, you know, according to what other clues in your poo, you know, low stomach acid is correlated to low zinc levels, low B12 levels, and you can see those types of things in your stools as well. And so as far as the low zinc and the low B12, would you say the majority you're seeing about that, the reason why it's low, is it because of parasites in your body or is it because you're not eating the right digestion or is it a combination of both? That's a, such a great question, yeah. Um, truly, it has to do with both of those factors, right? Like, first of all, you know, we always have some type of an infection in our body and in our gut, right? And so we have good bacteria. I call them, you know, symbiotic bacteria. They're, they're symbiotic with us. They give us, you know, great B vitamins, give us a whole bunch of awesome stuff. And then we have the conbiotics, which are bad bacteria. You know, they're like con artists. They deplete our nutrients, et cetera. But then we also have yeasts, right? So we got yeast growing in there. We could also have parasites, which, you know, is a, co a common question that I always get in clinic is, you know, could I have parasites? But, you know, so many of the, of the symptoms of parasites, overgrowth of yeast, um, a dysbiosis, they all really kind of look the same. So to think, to say to yourself, oh, I have a parasite infection, you have to be careful with that. Really, you have to go get tested and go do like a, a, the gold standard is actually a series of three stool samples in a row to really see like what is happening in your digestive tract and to really find out if you do have them because you don't want to be, if you treat, if you have a parasite, you actually have to treat it medically. Like in my opinion, there's no uh, bad drugs or there's a, an inappropriate time and a place for the different drugs, right? But if you actually have a, a full-blown parasite infection, like you want to be taking, you know, antiparasitical drugs and then supporting that with natural health. So that's one of the things with that. But you, the thing is, is this, is that your digestion is, is directed by your state of emotional health and how you're feeling and also stress stress in your body. So if you are excessively stressed, you actually don't create stomach acid either, right? So then, and stomach acid, ironically, is required to digest minerals, right? So your zinc won't digest unless you have stomach acid. So we have the whole situation of, you know, is it the chicken or the egg? Like, which came first? And then B12 has an entire compounding factor with it, is that you require something called intrinsic, uh, intrinsic, Ooh, intrinsic factor, not acid. I'm like, wait, I'm talking about acid here. Intrinsic factor and intrinsic factors what's required to digest and break down B12. And some people are lacking that just because of their genetics. So it's, it's multifactorial always. And, you know, and you're, I'm always thinking, is it the chicken or the egg? So what I do in order to just avoid that question is I just treat it in a multifactorial perspective. Mm. So let's talk about celery juice for a second because, uh, you know, the big buzz going around is that, you know, having celery juice on an empty stomach uh, is really helps with stomach acid. And I've had different guests on the show and some people say, absolutely, it really, really helps. And I've had other people who say, you know, no, it doesn't help as much as you think. What's your opinion on it? I mean, you know, it's a vegetable. <laughs> 
uh, celery is wonderful. I love it for so many different reasons. You know, clinically how I use it though, is I use it more as like something that, you know, gives us a lot of fluid and fluid to our bodies. It gives us excellent fiber. It does have incredible electrolyte components to it, right? So in that way it can be hydrating to the body. So far to say that it'll help to increase stomach acid, you know, things that dictate stomach acid are, are protein. You know, the signal to the body is when there's protein in the stomach to launch out its, you know, stomach acid. So to, to, I think it's a far stretch actually to say that celery will actually increase your, your, your stomach acid, unless you're consuming it with protein, maybe then, but I think it's a far stretch. What, what celery will do is it will have antioxidants. So, and, and it's no different than things like, you know, any other green vegetable, you know, uh, broccoli or, or cabbage. They're, whenever you consume them, they have antioxidants for our body. And that's going to be having a healing effect on the gut lining when you eat them. And celery juice is just probably more concentrated. It is more concentrated. So it'll have more of an antioxidant effect. So it could have a, a benefit, but I don't, I, it wouldn't be my first line of... Uh, it's not the end-all be-all. No, no, it's not the end-all be-all. You know, and it's funny what I do oftentimes, like celery is really good at helping people to lower their blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So what I'll, I often do is this is, you know, I, I recommend people to kind of have like a virgin Bloody Mary, you know, tomato juice has really good antioxidants and then throw in celery into it, right? Because mm-hmm. celery will help with reducing the blood pressure. And that is because of its magnesium levels, you know, it's high electrolyte and high mineral content. Awesome. Well, let's jump right into the listener questions. A lot of times when we have listener questions, they're from anonymous and they do not want their name disclosed, which I understand, which is fine. So this one's from Anonymous. She says, I know this sounds gross, but I've been really dissecting my poop lately. One of the things I've noticed is that I've eaten some corn and it didn't break down. It was completely whole piece of corn. What causes corn not to break down and should I avoid it for that reason? Why can I see certain items in my poop, but I can't see others? For example, I've noticed that beets and watermelon dye my poop red, while other foods have absolutely no effect. Anonymous. Yeah, that's good. It comes down with things like color and such. I love that. And I love that this listener is dissecting. Me too. <laughs> I love it. You got to. It's an important factor to look into the toilet bowl. So there's a lot of questions in there, and I'll, I'll kind of sum it up in a, a nice little story. So there are certain foods that are indigestible to us. Corn is one of them, right? Sometimes people will often see, you know, red pe- pieces of red pepper, like the skin of red pepper in their stools as well too. So those are just foods because of the outer shell and the components of the shell, like the fiber that they have, that that fiber is just indigestible to our bodies. Um, do, should you not consume it because it's indigestible? Not necessarily. Um, what you should do though is, in, in my opinion with corn, if you chew your corn better, what happened there is it wasn't chewed. So what this listener is probably experiencing is that they are a fast chewer and they basically, you know, take their food into their mouth and swallow it whole because most of the kernels will actually break down and you should actually not see the whole kernel. You would see kind of like just pieces of the kernel. And that would be an an example that she's chewing her food a lot better. So to this listener, you know, one of the first things I would say is, you know, if you're seeing a lot of undigested uh, food in your stool, make sure you're chewing. It's the very first principle, the very first thing that is super, super important. Important. 
Corn on its own tends to be a high allergen and something that's highly sensitive to people. Um, it's also highly genetically modified. So a lot of people like to stay away from corn for that reason because genetically modified foods aren't always the best for us, right? They don't always digest the easiest for our bodies because our bodies doesn't recognize it as, you know, native ancient foods. So that might make it a little bit more indigestible. So that could be an issue for you. And really, I would say corn is okay as long as you don't find that you're sensitive to it or if you've done a food sensitivity test and you've been fine with it. So that's what I would say with corn. Um, uh, avoid it. I'd say enjoy it. Don't have it all the time. Just make sure that you chew your food truly. And when it comes to beets and watermelon, you know, coloring your stools, um, beets just has a strong uh, red dye component that's used, you know, in cosmetics and natural cosmetics, a variety of different things. And that, that red coloring uh, does not get corrupted by stomach acid or by any of the chem chemical uh, breakdown product or breakdown components in digestion. So we actually use beets as a, a way to actually find out a little bit more about our stools and about ourselves and in doing a transit time test. So if people want to find out how long it takes them for their, Ooh. yeah, this is really cool. This is super cool because you can actually use this to your advantage. And actually beets are one of my, they're actually my number one, uh, favorite superfood, like superfood for stools, mm. um, because beets, what, number one, they have an amazing so amount of soluble fiber, and soluble fiber is honestly like, like, like a gel that will take your stools and move them out of your body, right? It's just like an amazing, amazing food for that. Um, beets are high in nitric oxide, and nitric oxide is like the number one anti-ager. Uh, nitric oxide, you know, improves circulation to the area. It brings all the nourishment to the area, so it's uber, uber healing so i love beets for that and you know the red coloring of beets actually is said to like help help heal the blood heal the liver you know make circulation work a lot better so you know i say eat those beets are so important so you basically have a meal you're doing what's called a transit test time test so transit time is the amount of time that it takes from your your food to go from your gum down to your bum right because it's super super important the normal and the ideal or actually not the normal, I'll say the ideal, in my opinion, is about 24 hour period. So you ate the food and with it, you digested, absorbed it. And within a 24 hour period, you are now eliminating it, right? Now, the actual, what the stats say, what the normal out there is, which is like a normal that is not a healthy normal, women take about 2.7 days to eliminate their, their food, which is it's too long. It's probably one of the yeah one of the contributing factors to why we have so much you know hormonal dysregulation, hypothyroid, all these different problems are happening in our body because we're just recirculating back the things that need to come out of our systems, and that's just causing us damage. Men are lucky, and they're at 1.7 days, right? So they in general have they they're less complicated than women are <laughs> in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, exactly. <laughs> you know, so they they have a simpler simpler you know digestion and. and and, and, you know, similar hormonal, you know, sphere, they don't have all the estrogen, you know, the progesterone, all that, that crazy jazz, you know, making a soup of stuff in, in women's bodies. So they tend to go faster. So all you do is this, you, you consume a meal, you know, in the evening and your side dish should be basically all beets. And then you don't eat beets for a day or two. And then you wait and see how long it takes those beets to come mm -hmm. out of your body. And that, my friends, is a nice way, like without having to do an invasive way to figure out an idea of what your transit time is. So it's super cool.
Yeah. That is amazing. That is such a great idea. I'm going to do that. I'm going to have beats today and I'm literally going to see the time of when it is. It's so cool, right? Because then you can see what, what's coming out of your body. I do want to let listeners know and yourself as well too for when you do it tonight is that beats become that coloring. You also will urinate out uh, red like you, within a couple hours. So you're not bleeding from your, your urinary tract. You're simply just, you know, eliminating out that beet color. And for the listener that had the question about the watermelon, why the watermelon is coloring the stools, that could be a, 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 an issue with improper digestion as well, too, because watermelon really isn't one of those foods that, that, that should not be digesting properly. Like it should come back out brown at the end of the day. And if people are concerned about red coloring in the stools or certain things that are uh, medical emergencies, you know, like red coloring, if it's blood, especially, you know, if it's bright red, you want to go see your doctor. Um, black can be a problem too. Black can be bleeding from the upper digestive tract. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if it's a white stool or a very gray stool, be very careful to run to your doctors because there could be a mass or something blocking your gallbladder and not allowing your body to get the bilirubin, which is what colors your stools. Mm. That's awesome. Now with the urine, so after you, let's say, let's say you had a beet juice and then you started, when should you notice your urine change color? It can be within two to three hours and some people are even more rapidly. It depends really on their metabolism and and their bodies, but typically it's pretty fast. Gotcha. Okay. This next question I've personally never had happen, but um, this is again from Anonymous. She said, what is, or he, I don't know if it's a he or she, what is the deal with, well, no, it's a she, Never mind. (laughs) She says, what is the deal with period poops? I've, (laughs) I've, I've noticed that I can't stop pooping in the days leading up to my period. And the first couple days of it, not only am I pooping a ton, but the poop is completely norm, uh, completely different than my normal period. It's extra foul. I thought it was just me, but then I was talking to a friend realized recently and realized she deals with the same thing. So it's not a coincidence. What causes these period poops? I've never had that happen. Have you? Oh yeah. This is such a great question. This is super common. This happens to about 80 to 85% of the female population. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it depends on your hormonal balance actually. Okay. A big stunner on this one. Um, because what happens is that our guts and our pooing is also hormonally regulated. So if we have high estrogen, which is a big epidemic these days, right? So many women are estrogen dominant. They could be either a real estrogen dominant, you know, could be caused by menopausal drugs, or it could be a relative relative uh, dominance, which could be because of environmental factors of estrogen coming in from the environment. Either way, estrogen dominance causes a whole bunch of issues, including low thyroid function, you know, which is super common out there, and a, a variety of dysregulations like being constipated. So mm-hmm. when you have high estrogen, you actually become more constipated. And what we require to have good bowel movements is high levels of progesterone. And so what happens on, uh, with the female cycle is this. You know, after, when you bleed, from the first day of your bleeding, you actually uh, have estrogen, which starts to now increase within, in, in the flow to get your eggs to, to create, like basically to create and then to release. Towards the end of your period, you then have elevated levels of progesterone because progesterone is what basically will maintain a pregnancy. So if you were to get pregnant, then what would happen is that your progesterone levels will keep on increasing. 
And why women have that beautiful, you know, pregnancy glow is a lot, is everything having to do with your progesterone levels. Because progesterone really is like the plumping up, you know, everything stays, you know, tight, plump, you know, beautiful, glowy, right? And so at, towards that end of that period, you start to get more bowel movements because you start to have increasing amounts of progesterone. And the foul smell, interestingly, is a really good sign for this listener that potentially they might not be eliminating everything every day and they are really backing up and they're just having, you know, they're having incomplete ev evacuations. Because for them to be having this majorly foul smell when they're having these looser stools and eliminating a lot more, there's a lot that is backed up in their system. Yeah, so that's a really good sign because you know, so I have some patients in myself, mine, mine don't smell foul. The only difference is that I'll go to the bathroom much more or it could be a little looser, you know, depending on how my hormones are that month. Um, it'll be a lot looser before my, my, my period. But it's, for me, I actually use it as, as a, oh, my period's about to come. Right, because my stool, and I have a few, quite a few patients who have that same situation. You know, we we got sidetracked. I started asking you another question. We didn't finish about the cat before I go to the next question. I want you to show everyone that castor oil. Oh, package. that's right. Oh my Explain gosh, how to do it? We got, yeah, we got this. Yeah, we're we going to talk about it. absolutely. Um, so castor oil pack. So here we go. So this is our castor oil pack. You can go online and, and purchase it. Um, what you do, you open it up, and then you get our. Now we're going to put it's on my lap. <laughs> you get the Queen of the Thrones castor oil pack. Okay. So this pack, what, what's great about this pack is that it is Im impermeable to the oil on the outside shell and the inside actually is beautiful, soft, organic cotton Sherpa. And it's so simple. The castor oil pack, you know, this eclectic legendary treatment used to be like 12, 15 steps. It was such a hassle to do. And it's like truly the very best treatment because it really supports, you know, our five pillars of feeling great. And, you know, to remember the five pillars, I use the acronym FAITH actually. So F-A-I-T-H. So F is the function of the digestive tract. You know, you want to have good digestion, good absorption, good elimination. You want to have high levels of antioxidants. You want to have balanced inflammation. You want to have tension that is in, 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 in good, good balance between stress, right? And you want to have, be the hostess with the mostest, right? So you want to have good bacterial balance. So when you do these packs, you help to support all of those functions that help you have ultimate health. That all you do, take the pack out, you want the soft side up of the compress. You then take your organic castor oil in a glass bottle, always organic and always in a glass bottle, and you pour it on the middle of the pack. And you just do about two, ta two tablespoons. Then you blot it so it kind of stays in the center of the pack. If you keep it in the center of the pack, you don't have to wash the pack very much, only when the oil gets out into the seams. So other that way, you, like no hassle, very, very simple. And then you simply put it underneath your right rib cage because that's where the liver is so you place it underneath the right rib cage i'm just going to stand up for the viewers underneath the right rib cage and you just tie it onto your body and that is super easy easy way to do the casserole packs and then you wear it overnight ideally in bed i'll, I'll throw on an old t-shirt just in case i move around and the pack will move because that's a, a way that things can get a bit messy but if you wear an old t-shirt you're good to go so talk about okay, thank why you for you bringing us back to that. Yes. So why do you need it on the right rib cage? Right. So underneath the right rib cage, your liver is there. And it's also the place where you're going to be targeting the most amount of organs. So when you do a castor oil pack, you're not only getting the liver and the gallbladder to function better, but you're also, you know, targeting the stomach, the pancreas, the adrenal glands, the kidneys, and the colon and the small intestine. And how these organs get targeted is, is 
the main reason why you actually need to use a castor oil pack and you just can't put oil on the body is that we have in our body certain areas that are connected to internal organs. So over the liver, the nervous nervous system receptors and cells that are there actually connect internally to the organs. So they'll send messages. So if you are putting your pack over your liver, it's called a dermatome and dermatome and it's connected. And this is actually like scientific, very scientific, and it is connected to the internal organs and sends messages to and fro. So it's one of the ways that you can elicit a response and when you uh, put the pack on your body it elicits actually a relaxed response and in the relaxed state that's when all the organs of the digestive system actually work at their maximum capacity so mm. that's the reason cool that's awesome yeah okay this is from tracy in north carolina i have researched all the different ways to know if i have parasites or not all of the signs and symptoms and i am a hundred percent convinced that i have them the tests are so expensive, like $300 for a stool test. And this is so much money when I already know I have it. So my question is, what is the cure for parasites? Is there an herbal medicine I should take or something stronger like an antibiotic? The main issue I have is chronic brain fog, memory issues, crawling sensation under my skin. I also have iron deficiencies, low vitamin B and D, and my butt itches. Are there any parasite cleanses that you recommend? Okay, great. That's good. So I, I, I'll, I'll caution this listener. You know, I love Dr. Google, right? I'm sure you love Dr. Google as well, too. Um, there's so much, as I said earlier on in the podcast, there's so many crossovers with symptoms of parasites and overgrowth of bad bacteria or overgrowth of yeast in the gut. You know, so like brain fog is super common in both of these conditions. You know, if you've got like a tingling, itchy skin, like crawling sensation, you know, that can be high levels of histamine in the body. And histamine uh, comes from food sensitivities, food allergies, and even environmental allergies as well too. Right, so there's so much crossover. So it's really difficult to say just from the symptoms alone uh, without having the signs. So when, when we're treating in medicine, symptoms is basically what the patient tells us. The signs, however, is what the doctor will see and observe. So what the, we'll see, you know, how the patient is looking, you know, maybe we'll look into the, into the eyes. Are, oh, they're anemic, right? Because this patient or this person mentioned that she's anemic, right? So, you know, if you look into the, into the bottom of the eyes, if it's very pale, you can, you can. Oh, you know, I want to check that. So okay. yeah, you can do, deduce that you have. So, so say that again. So if I so you, you, you pull your eye down. Yeah. And you can actually, if you look at the, the, the blood under like the lid, if uh -huh. it's really pale, you could be indicating uh, uh, anemia. Right, so your blood isn't isn't sufficiently fed. Oh, can you look at my eye? Oh, I wish I could see, but unfortunately, <laughs> through the computer, it's too hard. And this, this this is actually a really good point. So, you know, this is the value of having. You know, I, I'm online. I love being online, but this is the value of having a doctor nearby because you do want to be seen. You know, in my clinic, we do an initial intake where we just do talk. And then on our second visit for an hour, we sit down and I actually physically examine them top to bottom because there's so many signs that I'll see. Mm. Another, another aspect of the sign component is the lab testing. So I understand so much that the lab testing are expensive. However, you really do want to be getting tested with at least a stool sample for parasites because what's happening is that if you don't have a parasite, you don't want to have to treat a parasite. Like a parasite. Right. 
treating a parasite is pretty intense. And in my opinion, you know, you do need to get uh, the pharmaceutical drugs and an antiparasitical treatment in terms of a conventional medicine drug to treat a, a, a parasite properly. Um, you could, what you can do, of course, is support it with natural treatments, making sure that your body's going to the bathroom properly so that if you are taking an antimicrobial or an antiparasitical, what you can do is eliminate when things are dying off in the body so that you don't feel ill. And so that's its best place. And, and another area where it's very good is say castor oil packs as an example. Like cat, any patient in my clinic who's treating for a parasite, when I was treating for a parasite, like in Nicaragua, you know, I had my castor oil pack with me, thank God. You know, castor oil packs, one of their mechanisms of action is that they break down biofilm. And biofilm is made by bacteria, yeast, parasites in the gut. It's basically like a, a spider web and a protective mechanisms that these invaders make into our body in order for them not to be noticed or not to be you know, uh, killed off and eliminated out of the body. So they're protecting themselves and they're protecting their survival. So castor oil is one of the only natural things that is really effective at breaking down biofilm. And it breaks down biofilm, not rapidly because ra biofilm takes a, a slow amount of time to grow. It only is broken down over time, the biofilm. Whereas antiparasitical drugs, antimicrobials, antibiotics, they aren't very effective at breaking down biofilm because biofilm, again, is slow, growing and slow breaking down and antibiotics are fast, fat, they work fast and they work at fast multiplying, fast uh, multiplying bacteria, right? Mm. So if you need a specific different treatment, so castor oil packs, you know, someone like someone who's asking a question like this in my clinic, of course, I'm not their doctor, so I can't give them, you know, specific recommendations. Um, but someone in my clinical practice who would come in with this, I would say, you know, let's start doing the most basics of therapies, you know, let's get you tested, you know, in the meantime, let's do the basics, which is castro epox, you know, always things like probiotics for the digestive system, and the very least, you know, I always combine my probiotics and clinical practice with alkalinizing agents, because, you know, good bacteria like to be in the proper environment of the gut, and things like parasites, you know, in an, in an acidic environment, they tend to thrive, you know, so you want to make sure that you, you, you get the right kind of mix. That's a start. And then get tested because you do need to get tested. And the actual gold standard, as I said earlier, for parasite testing, and it's rarely, rarely done, is actually three consecutive uh, stool tests. And it's rarely done. Typically, people will do one stool test. But the thing is, is that and it makes so much sense why you need to do three. You need to do three because you want to see not only what's at the bottom of the intestine, you want to see what is coming up later on in the intestine as well too, right? And you want to confirm. So now do you do this? So we've, we have listeners everywhere. Um, actually, our number one listenership, uh, we can actually see uh, who listens and where they are. But California is actually our number one state. Um, for listenership and I think like Texas might be number two um, so let's say someone and you're in Canada correct what part of Canada are you in but Toronto okay so let's just say somebody wanted to do something with you over the phone like do you do do you do consults over the phone and then like have them do their stool samples and and send it to you so I can only just because of my licensing, if they come in, I need to actually see them physically mm -hmm. at least for one visit. So that's, okay. that's the, that's the ideal there. 
typically then I can, you know, manage their case outside, uh, like uh, over the internet, but I do need to at least have, a, they, they need to have a physical presence with me for that same important reason that I do need to examine them because, you know, you'd be surprised in that physical exam, what I actually see of patients. It's just incredible. And, and, you know, but there's a lot of great naturopaths out there as well, too, who do work on the gut and who can do those, do those things for people as well. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what on my, well, my area is where I want people to become uh, aware of is and empowered is that, you know, if you understand your stools, then you can now go to whichever healthcare practitioner you have, your medical doctor, your naturopath, and you can now start being more active and more directing in your care. Mm. Right. Because when you understand what's coming out of you every single day, when you know the key signs, you know, you can say, well, what about me getting this testing? What about me getting, you know, thyroid testing? What about me getting these testing? You know, mm. you, we really do want to become an active participant in our healthcare because, you know, you know, healthcare practitioners out there are busy. Right. So and, and of course, that's no excuse, but you don't want anything to be missed. And, you know, everyone is human. So, of course, and we all know this, you know, two pairs of eyes are much better than only one set of eyes, right? So yeah. you want to be working with your doctor and, you know, helping and guiding and also giving them the best information you possibly can. And the only way that you can do that is if you're aware of your stools and you understand it. And that's why I want to encourage everyone to go online with me and really let's, let's, let's get on this journey to understanding all the 11 golden nuggets about our stools. Like there's 11 things that will tell you about hormonal issues, nervous system problems, vitamin deficiencies, mineral deficiencies. Like that's a huge amount of a wealth of information. Hey guys, we absolutely love getting your questions into the podcast, but we're also interested in your journey. So if you've started intermittent fasting and have some success or even struggling a little bit, we want to hear about it. Email me your intermittent fasting stories to Chantel at ChantelRayWay.com. Now back to the show. Wow. All right. This next question is from Anonymous. It says, recently I went to the doctor and I had my stool sample checked and I was shocked because they took the most microscopic amount of stool. When the test came back, they said that I didn't have a parasite or anything. My sample looked totally normal. When I read online, I really, I literally have every single symptom for parasites. Why would the doctor say that I don't? Is it possible that they didn't take enough of a sample? I check my own poop at home, which I know sounds weird, and I can't see any worms. I even bought a microscope to check as myself. As I'm checking, what should I be checking for? Is this all in my head, anonymous? Yeah, that's a really good question, right? Because, uh, you know, oftentimes when you see symptoms and you really think that you, you think that you have it, right? You convince yourself that you have it. But you really, again, need to be testing. You need to be, you need to be doing it with your doctor. With this doctor, did they take enough stool? I'm not sure what test they actually ran, because there's all there's parasite tests, but there's also, you know, um, the complete digestive stool analysis tests as well too, which don't require as much as much matter. So it really depends, and it could have been the doctor could have been using this just as a simple screen instead of actually investigating it completely to the end. You know, so if this if this if if you if this person is concerned and they really feel that they have it, what I would say is to go back and keep on testing and to do what I recommended, which is the three consecutive stool samples, if they're concerned, to really get down to the to the the nitty gritty of what could be truly happening in this person's case. You know, symptoms like I said, there's so much crossover when it comes to the gut you know like like we i really have to go and and check and see 
uh, what is happening. There is one really cool lab test so that people can do from blood and maybe get an indication. And this oftentimes can be an indication for me that I would want to, you know, go further and check about parasites. So this is something that this person can ask their doctor for is to test something called isonophils because isonophils is part of the complete blood count. And it's part of the family of white blood cells. And isonophils also, they're a marker of two things. They're a marker of allergies and food sensitivities, and they are a marker of parasites, okay? So, and the reason why they're a marker of these two things is because, as I said earlier, you remember there was another question from one of the viewers about having like a tingling, crawling sensation on their skin. Mm -hmm it's correlated to histamine levels in the body. So when you have seasonal allergies, you get a histamine rush, right? You get a runny nose, you have runny eyes, you have congestion. Mm -hmm. All that happens within your gut, but it can also happen within your skin. So isonophils could be a super cool marker of you know, looking deeper into finding if you have parasites. So your doctor also could have maybe been looking at that with a stool sample together and then come to the conclusion, as a good detective does, that it's highly likely that, the, that you wouldn't have parasites. But again, you wanna, if you still feel that, you know, it's important to honor your feelings and to go back to your doctor. So when, first of all, what stool tests do you recommend? Like what's your favorite ones and how much stool sample do, do you actually use? Like when you're doing it? Yeah. So I actually get the patients to collect the stool sample and it's, it, it's, it's requested to be about an amount. I don't know the exact measurements, but it's it, it labeled on the container, which the stool is taken. Mm -hmm. um, in all honesty, how I work with, with the body and the gut, the stool sample that I would do, if it was indicated, would be a parasite test, a simple, you know, ova and parasitology test. Um, what do I do, you know, the complete digestive stool analysis? I used to do that in the beginning of my practice, but what I found was that it didn't give me enough information that would actually change how I would treat the person. So I don't often do that anymore. There are rare occasions where I do recommend it because just the digestion is just so off. So when those people, when those patients or people have severely like, you know, deranged digestion, then I do do it because I just want to see, you know, how are they digesting their fiber? You know, what are their levels of, you know, immunoglobulin? A, which is like an immunoglobulin, a protective immune system cell that is only existent in the gut. So then I would absolutely do a complete digestive stool analysis. There's a really great lab company um, online called yourlabsonline.com, which listeners can, without having a doctor, uh, go and request these types of labs. And so it's pretty, I can actually give you a link to that, that you can link this up okay. um, and people can go on online and actually get their lab tests and then have them. It's, it's run by a community of doctors and they'll actually be analyzed for them. And then people can get information from that and then bring it to their doctor and get the proper treatment protocol from that. So it, it puts power into people's hands so that if they do want to test it, they feel that, you know, they haven't got the validation that they actually require what they want, you know, cause they still feel they have it, this would be one of the best things to do is to go there and, and get the testing that you that you want. But on top of that, when I'm testing the gut, I actually go a lot deeper. Because if you might recall, I just spoke about how initially at the beginning, you know, women were complicated, um, you know, a hormones matter in our gut, you know, the period poos we spoke about, right? The nervous system impacts it, your levels of stress, your immune system impacts it as well too. Mm -hmm. So I actually go into testing that is actually testing the hormonal system. So I'll do the complete Dutch test, which is an incredible, an incredible lab that gives us our whole 
hormone balance and how we're actually processing and metabolizing and working with our hormones. So I love that, that test. And then I love doing, of course, food sensitivities. You have to do food sensitivities because if there's a gut problem, you know, we need to remove the inflammation. And, you know, in the cases of parasites, when you want to see if that, you know, high level of asanophils, that histamine marker is due to, you know, perhaps that you're just eating way too many food sensitivities, right? And then your levels of histamine are high and hence you're getting that tingling sensation in your skin, that crawly, creepy, crawly feeling, right? And then there's also a test called the oats test organic and uh, acid test, which I just love. And that test I also do because it, that one shows me a great marker of bacteria. If you have yeast overgrowth, or if you could be potentially having things like bacteria like clostridium and some really, you know, obnoxious bacteria that we don't want in our guts. So I actually go outside of just only testing the stools. I really test, you know, the body to see how your hormones are dictating your stools, how, you know, your, your yeast overgrowth is dictating your stools and how your nervous system and immune system are de detailing your stools. Wow. I feel like everyone just needs to hop on a plane and go to Toronto. Yeah, that would be I awesome. mean, like, yeah. just make it a vacation with your family and be like, I'm going to go see Dr. Marisol. Like, I'm going to just tell my husband, like, I want to go up there and have like all these tests done. That'd be so awesome. And we do an amazing cleanse. And patients, you know, I have patients all over the world, like Brazil, all over the place. And, uh, you know, they, they'll get their testing done. They'll come, you know, many times these things, like we can, we can, we can get people to do the testing before they even come. So all that is done. And then the visits are, are rapid and excellent. And, you know, we specialize in gut cleansing. So what we do is we often put people on, on, on gut cleanses, whether it's a seven day period, if they're from out of town or if, you know, they're lo more local and they can stay or stay in a hotel for a month long, month long cleanse depends on their health too. Right. So yeah, we were, we're, we're really specialized in this. And so when people have gut problems, you know, as you said, you know, gut health is the greatest wealth. It truly is. It's the, the number one determinant of our health, of our hormonal health. You know, like there's such epidemic out there of Hashimoto's, hypothyroid, low yes. thyroid. You know, every woman I speak to is like, I have a low thyroid. Mm. And it, it's, you know, it, it's coming from their gut. So we have to get that gut balance so that everything else then can just fall into place. Wow, I love that. Um, so we've got two questions about this, but I'll read one of them. But um, it says, anonymous, I've always struggled with constipation, but lately my stool has been more pebbly than normal. What do small and large pebbles usually indicate? And then we have another question that's very similar that just says, my my poop is all in one piece, but it's it goes small pebbles, then into large pebbles. What does that mean? That's great. Those are great questions. So these are the things that they'll learn um, by following us, by starting the journey at 50 Shades of Poo on my website. But balls of poo are part of what we call consistency of your stool. So is it, you know, like liquid consistency, like diarrhea, or is it hard, right, pebbly, ball stools? So I often correlate these uh, pebbles and balls, obviously, to you having constipation. So that's a form of constipation. Likely, these people aren't going to the bathroom daily within a 24-hour period. They're probably not eliminating their, their, their food that they've eaten the, the day before. Um, and it's also highly linked to uh, two things magnesium deficiency ironically mm. because my magnesium helps to plump up the stools and actually bring electrolytes and water into the stool so that they can hydrate 
-hmm. reason why you have those long, big October best sausages is because that stool is well hydrated. And in the gut, what that requires is good levels of magnesium to act as a, a, a osmotic pull on the water. So it basically takes the water. I love how you're drinking water right now. <laughs> I, I know. You were like, oh, you, you're not hydrated. I'm like, what? Okay, let, let me go ahead. It was hydrate, like instinctive. And then yeah. magnesium pulls the water from the tissues and pulls it into the stools. And then that gives it a good girthy, you'll have a good girthy stool that way. So that's a, a really key sign of like a magnesium deficiency. And uh, as a side note for women, magnesium actually is the, the most efficient nutrient for women is magnesium because we utilize magnesium in so many of our hormonal conversions in our bowels, you know, in with our thyroid gland, with our estrogen. So we really are depleted oftentimes in magnesium. So it's a good, it's a great first step. The other sign of pebbles and balls and, you know, broken up poop is stress too, because stress can sometimes compact and, you know, tighten up your bowel and doesn't allow you to have a nice, loose, like, like solid, you know, smooth elimination out of your body. So those are the two reasons. So that's such a, those are such great questions. I love it. I love it when I get the ball question. <laughs> so as far as, you know, I've seen, have you seen that? It's called Calm, C-A-L-M. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So like, would that be something that you would take like a little bit of that every day? Or, you know, if, if you're saying magnesium is the number one deficiency, what would you suggest for people to take? Is it a supplement that doesn't have too many things in it? What's your kind of go-to that you say, this is the best magnesium supplement that you can take to help you go? That's so awesome. So um, if they want to go online on my website, I actually have a whole downloadable PDF uh, called Magnesium Moves, right? Like mm -hmm. Royal Magnesium Moves. And people can find that in my Royal Library. So that is an area where we have a lot of gifts um, in terms of education, and this is one of the PDFs that does that. Um, so magnesium, I often recommend to people, I love Magnesium Calm, I think that's a great product. Um, it's a magnesium citrate. So magnesium citrate, it can be a little bit harsh for certain people. So for myself, I don't like magnesium citrate because I've suffered with IBS my entire life. I tend to be a little bit more uh, sensitive in my gut. And with magnesium citrate as an osmotic laxative, um, it can be a little, it can create a little bit more gas and a little bit more gurgling Glean, a little bit more like right and for me that really upsets my bowels and I know for quite a few patients you know they don't like that as well too because they're so hypersensitive in their gut so it really depends on you but that for many people if they don't have a hypersensitive gut can really work well um, my other alternative is magnesium glycinate uh, magnesium glycinate I love so much because it doesn't have that effect it, it won't, you won't be gurgling and you know, you won't have all, all those uncomfortable sensations. Um, it, it, and it calms the nervous system down because of the glycine component. Glycine calms the nervous system down. And then it also on top of it has the, the laxating effect. So my go-to is magnesium glycinate and not citrate. Because as I said, those bali poos are correlated to two problems, magnesium deficiency and a nervous system that is stressed out. So the magnesium glycinate will help with both of those things. So will castor oil packs because castor oil packs, guess what? They're gonna help you to absorb your magnesium better and they're gonna help to calm your nervous system down, right? So you've got like, like options there. Castor oil packs, if the people are taking anything orally, castor oil packs, 
I, I can't I can't urge people enough to take it because you know our absorbability is so deficient in our bodies um, it is at an all-time low and you know so you could be taking a supplement and this is one of the reasons why my online platform I don't talk too much about supplements because I want people to understand that you know they'll if they're not doing something to actually help the function of their gut like the castor oil pack you know which really is the, the gold standard for this um, you're, you're going to be not absorbing your supplements that you're spending a lot of good money on to their maximum. Like, you know, absorbability of supplements can be somewhere between 20 to 50% because it depends on two factors. Number one, is it a good high quality supplement in the right format? And number two, are you absorbing it? right? Because you are what you absorb. And if you're not absorbing it, well then, you know, you're, you're just having expensive poo, right? It's going in one way and it's coming out the other. So I really want to encourage people to make sure that they're actually absorbing it and to do those castor oil packs. You know, naturopathic doctors, functional doctors, those that prescribe the packs to their patients, the one comment I get from them all the time is this. When you do a castor oil pack, every single thing that you're doing just simply works that much better. Right. And so we want to maximize it. Right. Do you really want to be on a supplement like for like 10 years because you're not getting absorbability? So what could have worked in like less than a year, it'll take you 10 years to even get that effectiveness if you ever get if you even ever get it. You know, one of my claims to fame and the reason why I was so successful in, in clinical practice was because I started with those basics. I really emphasized every patient doing a castor oil pack. And because of that, what I did for my patients is I saved them time and I helped them to live optimally faster. And so for them, that was, that's huge, right? That's like money in the bank. That's, you know, you're willing to invest if you can do those two things. If you can save time in your life, you're like, what is time worth to you, Chantal? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> everything. And then if you can live optimally faster, like it's huge. So that's the thing. So that's why I'm always recommending, you know, take you supplements are great, but do the things that are going to set the base up right in your body so that not only are you better absorbing your supplements, but that beautiful organic food from whole foods and from, mm. you know, uh, natural grocers, uh, Trader Joe's, you know, sprouts that we're like, you know, buying and loving and knowing that it's so good for us. Why don't we absorb that to its maximum too? Right. Cause we're also not absorbing our food that well if we're not absorbing our supplements that well. Yeah, that's awesome. So let me ask you about how much oil would you say that you are putting on that that daily? And you're saying, look, sleep with this every single night. Like just make it a routine, do it every night. And how long would you say when you're doing that, how long are you keeping that same pack? So when you buy that pack from you, would you say I use it for 30 days and then after that I'm like, okay, it's time to buy a new one or... What would you say? Perfect. So we, we use two tablespoons of oil on the pack every night. So pretty simple. I mean, you, at first you can measure it out. You know, I kind of go by eye. I just make sure I keep the oil in the center of the pack. So that, that's number one. The lifespan of the castor oil pack, ideally it's done every single night. So I'd love for people to get, to get encouraged and to really commit uh, to doing that on a regular practice because when you commit to it, number one, it actually just becomes part of your routine and it is so easy to do. Like now, you know, my nighttime routine is, you know, wash my face, you know, put my castor oil on my castor oil pack, put my castor oil, you know, all over my eyes for anti-aging purposes. I put my eye mask on my head. Sometimes I put a little of the oil that's left over in my hair to make it nice and like luscious, right? If I'm washing my hair the next day, that is. And then I put my pack on my 
right underneath my right rib cage over my liver and then I go pee and I go to bed right so for me it's just a practice and in fact yeah. if I don't do that I'm, I'm almost like oh my god something's missing like what's wrong like I need to do that so just commit to it do it do it every single day um typically what will happen and it'll depend on how you care for your castor oil pack it has about a lifespan about three month period so in terms of cost that's very inexpensive for a treatment much less expensive than your supplements and if you're doing it and it's helping you absorb all your supplements a lot better you're getting like gangbusters back for that right like you're just you're really investing in something that's going to give you a lot back mm -hmm. so ideally in about three month period then you want to dispose of it some people will dispose of it earlier depending on how they feel about it i actually have two packs simultaneously uh going on at a time so i highly recommend for people to buy two castor oil packs for them so then that way when you're washing the pack um you can kind of just keep on doing your nightly practice and you just use one when you're not washing it and then that way you always have a pack ready to go um the easiest way to wash it we found out to wash it is to which we've recently just done my loving wonderful husband such a genius like he's always the hack trying to like find the easiest way to do things <laughs> he actually put it in the dishwasher because you can't put the castor oil pack in with your clothing because castor oil can stain but in the dishwasher is ideal and you actually just tie the straps up to the rack so they don't get caught in any of the mechanisms wash it in the dishwasher and then when it's ready to go you take it out put it on a, a cloth and just roll and like squeeze out um, any of the excess oil that might still be there or any of the water that it picked up in the uh, in the dishwasher just because the pack is meant to pick up things right because the the factor of putting the oil on every time adds more weight to the pack and that is actually beneficial also to the treatment so you don't want to wash it too much either so how often, let's say you're doing it every single night, how often would you say you're washing it? Like right now I have a pack that I've been using for about 15 to 16 days and I'm really not even close to washing it. So it really just depends on how much oil you put. And I literally only put two tablespoons. So I just want to encourage people to not oversaturate it because you don't have to, you know, less is more. You need, this oil is going to be absorbing into your skin. You don't need Uber's amounts of this oil to have the effect that you're looking for. Cause a lot of it is not just only the oil. It's also the pack on your skin. So I do put a lot of like, like I, like I was telling you with the massage, I will put it, but I don't put the, ca the castor oil is a little sticky and it doesn't smell that good. Do you put any like, um, essential oils in it or anything? Like if I'm putting it on my hair kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. So if it, also you can do this for hair growth as well. Mm. Uh, with your hair you mix castor oil with rose rosemary essential oil because rosemary is excellent to feed the hair follicle and oftentimes if women especially those women like are having thyroid disease or as we age right we, we all tend to as we age our metabolism slows down so we just kind of naturally go into a, a slow thyroid um, and that's one of the reasons why we lose our hair um, using castor oil mixed with uh, rosemary essential oils uh, will help to feed nourish uh, the, the hair follicle and it'll also help bring the circulation nitric oxide will bring circulation to the area and that'll make sure that everything is nourished and that you you keep the hair follicles that you have so it, it's not the best to help regrow a hair follicle that is already dead but what i've noticed is that it significantly slows down hair hair loss so if people are you know in that phase in their life i encourage them to do you know castor oil into the scalp and then we're actually working on a prototype i'll show you my, my little prototype i need to make it a little bit better but this is for my uh uh, dream hair uh, castor oil kit. So you can do actually like a, a yeah, it's coming soon. So oh this is the prototype. God. So it's not done yet. So 
it's not perfect. So don't, don't. <laughs> I love it. I know. So what we're doing is we actually have hair picks. So you can put uh, the, with that are made of metal, not, not plastic. Um, again, so you can put the castor oil into the roots and you can feed and nourish the hair follicle. And it's a treatment that you would do like a self-care treatment, like once or twice a week for your hair. More if you're losing it pretty significantly, but it's a great treatment to nourish. Nothing works like castor oil to like really have amazing, healthy, thick hair. It's great. All right, this next question is from Andrea in Chesterfield. I struggle with thyroid function and I'm constantly asking myself the question of the chicken and the egg, which comes first? Do you think that thyroid issues cause massive constipation or does constipation cause my thyroid to perform poorly? It's funny, all this talk about poop, I'm like, I kind of feel like I need to poop. But I think it's like it's like psychological. Like when you were talking about the water, I'm like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But we, but we, I always say this to patients too, and this is why I say, really watch your words and really watch your thoughts, right? Because you know where the mind goes, energy flows, and so you really create in your world what you're thinking about. So this is such a great question because Chantal, I feel that this is like what we started the conversation about because you were asking about, you know, is it that we're deficient in the nutrients or is it that we can't absorb the nutrients? Like which comes first, right? Which we talked about at the beginning. And with thyroid disease, as I, I said earlier, you know, the gut is the hub of the hormonal, the immune, and the nervous system. It, it absolutely is. So it's a combination of both that you're, you know, you, you've had elevated estrogen, so then your thyroid went down, and then, then you're not a, a available, able to have a bowel movement, right? And, you know, the constipation can, having constipation actually increases your levels of estrogen in your body naturally because, you know, estrogen, excess estrogen that we have in our body actually is eliminated through our stools. So the common clinical pattern is when women have elevated estrogen, they have a low thyroid. So it truly is chicken, egg, chicken, egg, chicken, egg, you know, if you're, and that's why you want to treat your constipation and get your bowels moving better as fast as you can and start with that. Even if you haven't had a chance to get to your doctor because, but do go to your doctor. But if you haven't had a chance, you can do things to get your bowels moving that will start to reduce your estrogen, right? Naturally, because you're going to be just eliminating it out better, right? And you can do that via castor oil packs, you know, with magnesium, probiotics, like combine those three together, right? And then you can start working on your thyroid as well too. And then you have a happy home where you can get everything reset and regulated. But it truly is, everything in health is multifactorial because our bodies are these, these divine temples, these divine ecosystem, right? And this ecosystem is a a balance of you know ebb and flow ebb and flow and balancing of all the systems just like a beautiful you know con concerto like if there's harmonies there's melodies everything needs to be flowing in the right direction so we have to just start somewhere to treat it and to fix it and there is no better way to start than to making sure you're going poo every day Mm, that's good. Margaret in Oklahoma. My friend told me about something called diatomaceous earth. She said it's a bug killer that you eat to help kill parasites. I've been trying to read up online and can't find any specific information of how often I should take it, how long I should take it. I ended up buying a huge food grade bag of diatomaceous earth on Amazon and I really don't know where to begin. Do you know anything about it? And is this effective and safe? Margaret in Oklahoma. Yeah, sure. I've heard a lot about it. Honestly, for me, I there's a couple things that I need. I need um, my colleagues to have had, you know, professional experience with tools. I also need there to be research. You know, I also need them need, need there to be uh, experimentation on myself. Because <laughs> honestly, every single treatment, every 
thing that I've done, you know, or, you know, that I recommend outside of things that would be dangerous to my health. Um, I I have tried on my system before I I, I test with patients. And frankly, I just haven't seen enough good research in terms of this, of this product to really, you know, like warrant me using it to help with those things in the gut, because I have so many other better tools like castor oil packs that I know work, you know, they're legendary. They've been working since the beginning of time. So I know that these work. So those would be the tools that I'd be using. I'd have to say though, a really good sign is if you can't find the information on like dosages, um, what it's about, like that's a good red flag that you might not want to be doing this treatment because you might not be, you, there, there isn't enough uh, validity to it at this point to say, you know, yay or nay, or, or it's, you know, the end all be all for this, for this. Okay, perfect. Sherry in Virginia Beach. You've talked a lot about probiotics on the show and the importance of finding the right one, but haven't gone into detail as far as specifics. Is there a specific brand that you recommend and how often should I take it? So this is a thing. And so probiotics is an entire study on its own, an entire world of science. And uh, there's so many different strains of bacteria out there, and each strain does different things. So this is one of the reasons why certain people um, have problems with certain probiotic products because they they just don't feel good for them. So to say that there's only one probiotic supplement that I recommend, I can't really do that because it really depends on the person's case. And and honestly, they probably have to go see their doctor so that they can get a really good idea of what's happening. But I can recommend a certain certain amount of guidelines. So that's what I will do. Okay. So one of the most important things that I like to consider in a probiotic is this. I don't want there to, that there to be any FOSs in, or fructooligosaccharides in my probiotic formula. And the reason for this is that fructooligosaccharides, uh, they're, they're actually uh, fermentable uh, short-chain carbohydrates and, and they are, sorry, f- fermentable short-chain sugars. And the problem with this, they're, they're put in the formulas because they're prebiotics. And as prebiotics, they feed bacteria, but unfortunately they feed aggressively the aggressive conbiotic bacteria, right? So those bad bacteria. So people with an irritable bowel or SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth can really be affected negatively and really get a lot of sensation and pain and gas and bloating with FOS in a probiotic formula. So just look at the back of the label and you'll be able to see like whether or not it has fructooligosaccharides. And if it does, it probably, in my opinion, isn't the best probiotic, more than likely in most cases. So that's one thing. Number two, I want to have a specific, a, a sufficient amount of bacteria in my probiotic. Um, I'm looking for billions. I want it to be in the billions. I'm looking for it to be anywhere from 12 to 50 billion, depending on what's going on in my system. You know, a good regular maintenance dosage is about 12 to 15. Uh, you know, if you're in, in severe crisis, then you're going up into the 50 billions of, of bacteria. So that's what you want to look for. The other thing is I don't want my probiotic to have too many strains of bacteria. Because if you get into like over, you know, 10 or 12 bacterial strains, unfortunately, you're having a bunch of things happening. You're, you, you could likely have competition of the different bacterial strains and you can have, um, you know, competition of function, meaning that certain bacteria do certain things like certain bacteria will actually increase inflammation in the gut. Mm-hmm. Other bacteria will reduce inflammation in the gut. And if you have all these strains, you know, you're basically going to have a negated effect at the end of the day because they're going to cancel each other out. Right. Do you take a probiotic every day? Every day. 
every day. And which one do you take? So I actually formulate and compound my own. So it's the one that we use within our clinic. Um, but good companies out there that have great probiotics are companies like DFH, Designs for Health. They have some really great high quality probiotics. I really enjoy in Canada, there's a company named Flora. You know, they have an FOS free formula that I really like and that's available at often at health food stores. You know, so there's some really great probiotic formulas out there. But if people take those guidelines that I just explained, you can at least get started on something that could be the most beneficial for you. And how come you don't sell it yourself? Well, uh, mostly because of licensing <laughs> purposes. Okay. Um, so uh, supplements to me and my licensing is just a little bit, little bit tougher to do. Yeah. So I, I sell them in our clinic and people are, are welcome to call our clinic and we can ship it out to them. Um, but just online is a little bit of a, a gray area for me. Gotcha. That's all. Yeah. Well, this is the last question we have, and this is from Anonymous. I've always been trying to figure out what's wrong with me, and parasites seem plausible. I was reading your symptoms. I was reading about symptoms online, and one was that your butthole will itch if you have parasites. When I read this, I feel like my butthole itches. Is this, is this in my head? And can an itchy butt indicate something more? I love that because we just spoke about how you had to poo because we're talking about poo and we're thinking about poo, right? And now this comes into you and you think yes. about an itchy bum. Again, you know, you don't know if it's parasites or if it's food sensitivities, right? Because it's that same mechanism of action, that itchy sensation on the skin, that's histamine response in your body. So, you know, it could come from a variety of places, not only parasites, but overgrowth of yeast can cause itchiness. Like think about uh, vaginal infections, right? Those are itchy, jock itch right? Those, those things are all, you know, based on yeast and not a parasite. So you really want to differentiate and find out. And by, in order to do that, you really do need to test. So you want to go get, get tested and do those stool samples and find out if you have a parasite or if you just have, you know, yeast overgrowth, which is a much easier treatment. And do you have any food sensitivity tests that you say, this is like a really good one or... Yeah. So the one uh, at the company that I spoke about earlier, Your Labs Online, they mm -hmm. have the very best uh, IgG uh, testing that, that I use in my clinic. And it, it truly gives an amazing array of, I think it's close to 152 over 250 foods. I mean, herbs, spices, you know, and if you, if people just work on reducing those foods that are, are come in the high levels, people can get an amazing amount of benefit just from that. Like I've even seen people, you know, reducing their common allergens, losing like 20 pounds in 10 days like and these are people who have tried to lose weight forever and are unable to do so so i can i can provide a link for that to this to the specific test that i find is my favorite that would be awesome well her website is drmarisol.com and when is your new book oshit coming out when is that day it's launching november 11th so on remembrance day so remember that okay that's awesome <laughs> so in canada november 11th is remembrance remembrance day um so that is a day that it is launching right before christmas so i think it's going to make great great gifts for everybody you want to put it under the christmas tree people are going to laugh when they open it up and have a good giggle on the christmas morning <laughs> and the book you know truly goes in like in my perception it's like the bible in terms of ibs right like like it, it goes into the whole aspect of like the stress component, but also like, you know, 
people who deal with IBS and digestive disturbances, you know, stress is such a big component because you're so uncomfortable in your body. And it's Mm -hmm. no different than if you have chronic constipation, you're so uncomfortable in your body, right? So you get a little bit stressed from that. So we really delve deep into, you know, supplements, treatments, uh, the best best health hacks that you can do, diet, of course, and education about your stools throughout the entire book. So it's just, it's just an awesome read. That's awesome. And I am going to go online right now and I'm going to go get that poo perfume that you have out of throne. I can't wait to try it. And I love that it's a blend of, you know, all essential oils, lavender, rosemary, clove, citrus. I can't wait to try it and definitely go and download your, that free download, the 50 shades of poo. I can't wait to read that. And you, if you guys watch this episode, you will see just how drop dead gorgeous Dr. Marisol is and her skin is flawless like right? it's absolutely flawless like it's unbelievable and I truly believe that you know your skin is that flawless from the fact that you're eliminating let me ask you a, one final personal question can you share with us how often do you poop like well what number one do you eat like twice a day three times a day and then how often do you eliminate that's awesome. So I eat usually twice a day. So I, I do intermittent fasting. So yes. I wait 16 hours between my meals. And I typically poop one to two times per day. Okay. And I oftentimes, when I'm, I'm on my good health practice, because like I say to all my patients, I am not perfect either. I also do jump off the wagon. But what I always do is I jump back on. So I do jump off, but I jump back on all the time. Um, so when I'm not well regulated, then I can go. I can actually uh, alternate between, you know, not going for three days or having like diarrhea all day long. Like it can sometimes be so severe that I'm, uh, you know, six to seven times, and that's just part of, you know, having a predisposition to having irritable bowel syndrome, right? And and what I've learned over time is that it's about managing it and being on practice. Like you got to be on practice if you want to poop properly, right? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta put the the, the time in. Um, I have a lot of patients who are farmers and I always say this to them. I go, what you reap, you sow. Mm -hmm. So you want to have great stools. You want to be eating well. You know, you don't want to be eating too much throughout the day because if you snack all the time, um, what ends up happening is that you actually slow down your movement in your bowels. So the old recommendations of eating throughout the day constantly really aren't excellent for your good gut health. So if you want to have good gut health, you want lesser, fewer meals and just eat more at those meals. And that is so much better for your digestion. Yeah, intermittent fasting has truly changed um, my health and changed how I live. So I love it. Hence why we're the intermittent fasting show. That's right. Um, but you are just absolutely beautiful on the inside and out, and it's just been a pleasure. I just feel like the the second I met you online, I was like, we just became fast friends. Like, I literally want to come and come to Toronto and just hang out, and I just love you so much, and I just thank you so much. for You're just making such a big impact on so many people, so thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you know what? I love, love, love Virginia Beach. It's one of the places. Yes, you'll that just has come down heart. and visit me too. I'm gonna come down and visit yes. you. You got it, girl. Please it's a little stay warmer. And stay at my house. We have plenty of room. Love it. Well, if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at chantalrayway.com and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.